This is Ham College, episode 34, for October 31st, 2017. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. Looking for the perfect gift to put under the tree this holiday season? Check out ICOM's line of D-Star radios. And by hamstudy.org, a great way to study for your next license exam. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And you thought I was going to do it, I did. I was waiting for it. I knew you were. (laughs) They probably were, too. Yeah, we're going to save it. We'll we'll use it next time. Okay. Um, Tonight, we're going to be covering, well, some obviously some things we haven't covered before, since we try to do that every episode. What are we going to be talking about tonight? Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, VE uh, testing. Volunteer examiners. Yeah. yeah. And I think for the electronics, I believe it is uh, reactants. Yep. I think you're right. You may hear some buzzing going on with that. There, there could be a little bit. There could be. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to see. Um, and I think there's, there's a few more questions of various types in there as well tonight. It's kind of a, a mixed bag. What did we talk about last month? Well, you know what? That's a real good question. We talked about inductors, I believe, if I remember right. We did talk about inductors. We also talked about, as I wrote down here on the cheat sheet. Oh, that is cheating, because yeah. I was reaching way back <laughs> in the memory banks here. Uh, third-party traffic. We talked about the rules for that and the, the rules for contact with foreign stations. We sure did, now that you mention it. So, uh, first up tonight, though, we're going to be talking about um, the volunteer exam coordination bodies and mm-hmm. uh, VEs and such. And you've, you've prepared a little information for us, haven't you? Uh, yeah, oh, well. let me say this. <clears throat> I almost forgot, and this is a very important point. Anytime we're shooting a show live, we've got a chat room going on at the same time. Uh, it is a... Uh, well, it, it is sort of a, a help for us here in Ham College. Uh, Amateurlogic.tv slash chat. That's where uh, our rowdy friends hang out over in there. <laughs> and they answer these questions as we go along. They'll, uh, you know, put the A, B, C, or D in there. And then we'll uh, occasionally look over there and uh, and make sure that what we're saying is is going to be the right answer. Well, yeah, we'll compare with the, with the uh, chat room. If, if you're watching the show live and not in the chat room, you should really go to the URL you see on your screen and join in there because you're missing out on a lot of the fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So um, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on y'all, so uh, be on your best behavior. <laughs> All right, Tommy, what have you got for us on the VECs tonight? Uh, it's actually on how to become VEs, and uh, I, I looked up the three that I'm aware of, the more pop- the most popular ones. Mm-hmm. There are quite a few of them, but I looked up the ARRL 
W5YI and the uh, Laura ones. <clears throat> okay. We've actually got uh, some badges from two of them here. If you want to become an ARRL VE, then uh, there's a manual online on the ARRL site. It's easy to find. There's an application and uh, open book test that you can take. It's really easy to take. We both did it. Mm -hmm. And uh, mail your forms in, and in three to four weeks, you'll get a, a nice card in the mail, laminated, kind of like this. Looks exactly yeah, like there that. there you go. So, and if it, mine has already gone through and expired, and I had to have it renewed, so there's a sticker that they give you yeah. to put on the bottom. Mine's, mine's in the same state. It has a sticker on it now, too. Yeah. And you can... If you want to do that, ARRL.org. Every, everything you need to know yep. right there. Become-an-ARRL-VE. Yep. And the next one I looked up was uh, W5YI. wasn't quite as much information on the site there. They had a link. Um, they did, but when I, when I looked it up, the link was broken. And anyway, but uh, there is a application that you can fill out online i'm assuming they'll probably fix that you know yeah. sometime soon um so the information's on there w5yi.org <clears throat> and then the other one that that we're familiar with at least because we both had the mm -hmm. certificate from there is laurel and that's at laurelvec.com if you're interested in becoming a laurel ve then you need to contact the team leader of the team that you'd like to work with and uh, they can get you accredited. Um, all VE teams that would like to join the Laurel VE should contact the appropriate regional coordinator. And you can find it, those guys at the link there on your screen right now. LaurelVEC.com. Yeah, so it, it's uh, it's really easy. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun to go work those tests. And, and I like mm -hmm. to call it making new hams. And yep. it's kind of that's what you're doing. Yeah, you know, because... Before we had the, the VEC program, um, or the VE program, however you want to call it, you know, you had to take the test with the FCC, and if you lived in New Orleans or somewhere where they had an FCC office, you know, might be several times a year there that you could take it. Mm -hmm. I don't know how often they, they gave it, but like here in, uh, in Mississippi, they didn't give the test all that often, you know, in yeah, and a lot of times it meant here. a pretty good road trip to go find some yep. place, or or waiting six months, mm -hmm. you know. So but, um, there's there's quite a schedule of, like I say, there are there are a bunch of others other than these three. Mm -hmm. I, I forget the exact number, but there are a lot. But uh, someone is going to be giving a test somewhere in a reasonable area mm -hmm. to you, some you know, sometime in the very near future. Yeah. I know in Jackson here they typically give them about once a month. Is it? Yeah, I guess it is probably that often. There's a couple of different organizations, too, I think, maybe, that that do that, a couple of mm -hmm. clubs. I know one yeah. one does. Um, so, yeah. Uh, become a VE if you're, you know, if you're at least a general, um, you should con consider doing it, especially mm -hmm. if you're an extra. You know, if you've already passed your extra exam, what do we do now? Well, and that's exactly how we did it too, yeah. wasn't it? It's like mm -hmm. now, now what are we gonna do? Yeah. Hey, let's be VEs. So we yeah. went on and did that too, and I, I'm I'm glad I did it. It's, a, yeah. it's like I say, it's fun. I don't get to work quite as many sessions as I would like to, 
cuts the schedule, but I try to get in there when I yeah. can. Yeah, and it, you know, I'm, they appreciate it whenever, because, you know, a lot of guys will be there at every session, but then you need other guys who can fill in when one of these guys has to be out, right. you know, so it just kind of helps spread the load around, mm -hmm. so, so uh, good stuff. Well, let's get on into the questions for tonight. What do you think we're actually going to be talking about first up in the questions here? Well, maybe maybe some of this, some okay. VE stuff. I'm well, thinking because typically we do the electronic ones at the end. Yep. That's a good, good point. All right. Well, I will ask you this one then. Uh, volunteer examiners are accredited by what organization? Is it A, the Federal Communications Commission? B, the Universal Licensing System? C, a volunteer examiner coordinator? Or D, the Wireless Telecommunications Bureau. What do you what think? Volunteer examiners are accredited by what organization? Examiners. So the next level up from examiner is the is the VEC. He's the guy that coordinates all of that stuff. Or that's actually like uh, ARRL or Laurel or whoever would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's not the Wireless Telecommunications Bureau or the Universal Licensing System. So to me, that would be either the Volunteer Examiner Coordinator or the FCC. And the FCC doesn't directly do this stuff. That, you know, that's, that's doned out to, to mm -hmm. the VEC. So the only possible answer to me is uh, C, the Volunteer Examiner Coordinator. I'll agree with you. As did everyone in the chat room, so you got that one. Oh, fist bump tonight, huh? Yep, All right. fist bump, get the night started out. That's a good way to get going. Okay, well, I know we... It wasn't a buzzer for the right off the bat. At it least kinda it was kind of sets a nasty tone for the rest of the yeah. show. Well, let's, let's see if I can escape the buzzer on this next <laughs> one here. Okay, which of the following must a person have before they can be an administering VE for a technician class license examination? A, notification to the FCC that you want to give an examination. B, receipt of a CSCE for general class. C, possession of a properly obtained telegraphy license. Uh, or telegraphy. Yeah, that too. That's how some people either, say it. Either one of those are just fine. Well, if that's the answer. <laughs> RD, an FCC general class or higher license and VEC accreditation. Hmm. Well, this one, this one's pretty easy, Tommy. I think I'll get I it right. I think so. I don't think I can just notify the FCC that I want to give an examination and and that would qualify me, so I don't think it's A. <clears throat> uh, receipt of a CSCE for general class. Um, that means you've got a certificate of uh, successful completion of an element mm -hmm. uh, for general class. Uh, you don't have your general class ticket, but you got a certificate that says you did. Mm, you know, you think maybe that could be it. Let's go on, though. Uh, C, possession of a properly obtained telegraphy license. Uh, 
No. Why would you you need uh, to know Morse code in order to give a so you're a saying telegraphy anymore. or telegraphy is either not. one. I don't think either one's required. Okay. I'm not even sure you can get a license anymore. I don't know yeah. if they if uh, they have telegraph licenses anymore. I, I wouldn't. I would kind of doubt it, but I yeah. don't know. Or D, an FCC general class or higher license and VEC accreditation. Well, that's the obvious right choice there. you you got to be at least a general if you're going to give a technician class exam. And you got to have the accreditation from the uh, uh, VEC, which is one of these right here. So I'm going to say it's D, and everybody in the chat room is going with me. And right? I concur. Okay. Well, let's find out. All right. Fist bump for you. You nailed it. Okay. <laughs> well, then let me hit you with this one. What license examination may you administer when you are an accredited VE holding a general class operator's license? Is it A, uh, you can give a general or a technician exam? B, general only. C, technician only. D, extra, general, and technician. Okay, so you would think that it would be A, general, and technician, but I think the answer is C, technician only. Uh, general class, you're accredited, and hold a general class operator license. I think the answer is C, the best I remember. Yeah, you know. It, I, but it doesn't seem like it should be that, but I think that's the yeah, answer. You would think maybe it, the answer is you could give both general and technician, yeah. but I'm going to agree with you. You can only give a technician, and that's, hmm. uh, well, not everybody's agreeing with you in the chat oh, room there's there. there's a few Ds in there. Yeah, so let's see. Anyway. You were right. Uh, yeah, but it it's kind of, it, it really doesn't... Uh, it kind of defies logic to me, mm -hmm. but that that's the answer. Yeah. Which of the following is a requirement for administering a technician class license examination? Oh, this is not fair. <laughs> we just <laughs> probably went over this. A, at least three general class or higher VEs must observe the examination. B, at least two general class or higher <clears throat> VEs must be present. C, at least two general class or higher must be present, but only one need be extra class. Or D, at least three VEs of technician class or higher must observe the examination. Well, let's see. Uh, if you're going to be administering technician class license exam, um, I think it's A, at least three general class or higher VEs must observe the examination. I know anytime we've done um, um, licensing test, you know, we've, we've helped out a, a local mm -hmm. VEC that um, they had to have at least three generals mm -hmm. for, for a technician. Uh, so I know it's not B, two generals, and I know it's not C, two generals or a higher. Or, and Best an extra. General and an extra. Yeah, and uh, D, at least three VEs of technician class. You can't get the uh, uh, VE certification if you're a technician. So, yeah, it's going to be A, and uh, just about everyone got that right over in the chat room as well. Yeah, and C would be totally acceptable, but that's not a requirement. No. Mm -mm. No. 
Okay, well, let me see if I can pull a hard one out of my hat here for you. What is the minimum age, and I did, I think maybe I did. What is the minimum age that one must be to qualify as an accredited volunteer examiner? Is it uh, 12 years? Uh, B, 18 years. C, 21 <clears throat> years. Or D, there is no age limit. Hmm. Yeah, I I think I remember this one as B, eighteen years, and I don't. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but I think it's eighteen. It's B. You think? I it's think. B. Well, let's it may see. get buzzed. It is B. You lucked out. So twelve seemed kind of young, and I would just yeah. wouldn't think you'd have to get up to twenty-one years old. They're not serving alcohol in there. No, that we know of. They don't hear. <laughs> <laughs> Which of the following criteria must be met for a non-U.S. citizen to be an accredited volunteer examiner? A, the person must be a resident of the U.S. for a minimum of five years. B, the person must hold an FCC-granted amateur radio license of general class or above. C, the person's home citizenship must be in ITU Region 2. RD, none of these choices is correct. A non-U.S. citizen cannot be a volunteer examiner. B. I, right. I think we're right. <clears throat> Most everybody in the chat room is saying that. Uh, well, if you read it, it's the only one that really makes sense. Well, you could maybe think a non-U.S. citizen cannot be a volunteer examiner. Seems kind of plausible. Yeah. But I think the... Other I think one it's outweighs it. Yeah. Well, if you can get a license, then you should be able to give the test. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. Apparently, others. Apparently, as well. you can. Why don't we Too take a, a quick break? <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> come come back and and pick up because uh, we've got a lot more to go yet. Ring in the holidays with D Star. Looking for the perfect gift to put under the tree this holiday season? Check out ICOM's line of D-Star radios. ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. Unwrap ICOM's newest D-Star handheld portable this season. Lightweight, compact, and tough, the new ID31A Plus is a great choice for any shack or those in harsh environments. It's a 70-centimeter radio for both analog and digital, terminal mode and access point mode, and it has an IPX7 waterproof rating. Compact and user-friendly, the ID4100A is the gift any ham would love. It's the new D-Star Mobile with big rig features. Its intuitive interface, variety of operating modes, and Bluetooth capability make this the preferred D-Star option for those on the go. Integrated GPS receiver, new dot matrix display for enhanced DR mode and GPS information, terminal mode and access point mode, and micro SD card slot for voice and data storage. And there's applications for iOS and Android devices. The ID5100A has taken innovation and mobility to the next level. With its touchscreen and internal GPS, this radio is a must-have while assessing the situation. 5.5-inch touchscreen display responds naturally to touch. DV Dual Watch receives with both FM-FM and FM-DV mode signals simultaneously. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. And thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring Ham College. We couldn't do it without you. Yep, absolutely. 
they've been a great sponsor. Yeah. Oh, let's let's mention our wardrobe tonight. These are are our Ham College sweatshirts. Yeah. You know. Yeah. These are compliments of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ve3MIC. So these these are from the Mike Morneau collection. Yeah. Uh, you can get these shirts. How, how can you get some shirts like these? You Tom? can get these at amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. We've got uh, Ham College swag there. We've got uh, Amateur Logic swag. We've got caps, jackets, t-shirts, polo shirts. There's quite a few different things there. Um, I actually, one of these days when I have some time, I'm actually going to add some more products on there. We've had a few requests for VE type shirts there for Ham College. I hadn't thought about that. I see we've got a hat. We do have a hat. And a you shirt know what? Right we there. also have a matching shirt. That shirt's to red. round out the. But <laughs> but it goes well together. Oh, the logo matches. Yeah, I see. It's a it's a good collection. So you'll be totally coordinated next time you wear this to the ham fest. So it's an Icom Ham Crew T-shirt and an Icom ball cap. It is. Just like the one is from last month. It is. Looks a lot like the one is. from last month. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we we need to give one of these away, don't we? Well, we do. Um, I tell you what, I just did a random drawing here while everyone was watching. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> to do it earlier. And uh, we come up with a winner right here. And it's, it's from my friend, Alfred Britt. Uh, you know... A.K.A. No Call Yet Alfred. No Call Yet Alfred. Yeah, we see him in the chat room a lot. Yeah. He said, please enter me into the drawing for the ICOM swag giveaway. Okay, uh, No Call Alfred. He says he's waiting to take my test when the club gets its third VE in place. So we're hoping that'll uh, happen soon, Alfred. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah, I'd like to, like to see you in there with a call sign by your name. Yeah, uh, congratulations, and Tommy, if if somebody wanted some of that swag there, how could they get it? Well, you know, it's pretty easy to enter the contest to get this nice swag like this. All you've got to do is send an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv, and you'll be in for the drawing. And, and you're not, you don't have to be a ham to win. Uh, all you've got to have is a name and an address. Okay. To get it, so, and uh, your information is safe when you send it to us. We don't use your email addresses for anything. It goes nowhere. As a matter of fact, they all get deleted at the end of the contest and start over fresh. Mm. Even uh, even ICOM doesn't get the list of addresses. They just get the one for the winner, so they can right. contact them. Right. Yeah. So we we don't recycle <coughs> any of that information or or save it. All right. Well, thanks for that, Icom, and let's let's move on to our next yeah. Congrats. Step here. Congrats on the, to the winner there. Which of the following is true concerning access to frequencies in non-emergency situations? A. Nets always have priority. B. QSOs in progress always have priority. C. Except during FCC declared emergencies, no one has priority access to frequencies. Or D, contest operations must always yield to non-contest use of frequencies. Well, I know there's a several in there that a lot of people would like to be true, but yeah, which do you think is? Well, 
I think the answer, let's see, Nets always have priority. That's that's not true. USOs in progress. No, I, I think the answer is going to be C. Except during FCC declared emergencies, no one has priority access to frequencies. So there's there are no designated. This is my this is my frequency at this time mm -hmm. type thing. Period. So I, the answer is going to be C. Okay. Um, well, some people think they are, but they're not. Yeah. Uh, everybody's pretty much saying C over in the chat room. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, except during SEC declared emergencies, no one has priority access to frequencies. You know... You would think B would be... Possibly, yeah. That's a, that's the courteous thing to do. If there's somebody's having a QSO there, you know, that's... Yeah. You should be courteous and let them finish. Uh, I like that last one, though. I know there's a lot of folks... <laughs> <laughs> Who wish that were true? <clears throat> contest operations must always yield a non-contest use to frequencies. Oh yeah, no, that's that. not true. No, it's not true. But uh, yeah, I know some people think that would be very nice if it was. Yeah, some people don't like contesters. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, that's just a, a different areas of the hobby. You know, what is a practical way to avoid harmful interference? on an apparently clear frequency before calling CQ on CW or phone. A, send QRL on CW followed by your call sign, or if using phone, ask if the frequency is in use followed by your call sign. B, listen for two minutes before calling CQ. C, send the letter V in Morse code several times and listen for response or say test <laughs> several. <laughs> several times and listen for a response. You probably would get a response. Yeah. Or D, send <laughs> QSY on CW, or if using phone, announce the frequency is in use and, uh, and then give your call sign and listen for a response. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one's... Those are some misleading answers in that one right there. And, and some are quite comical. Yep. Let's start at the bottom there. Uh, D, send QSY on CWR if using phone announce the frequency is in use. No, that's not what you do. QSY means that you're going to another frequency. <laughs> so it, it doesn't mean you won't... not going to be in use anymore. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> not by you. Yeah. And you don't just jump on a frequency and say it's in use. You know. Uh, so, no, that's not it. Uh, C, <laughs> send the letter V in Morse code several times and listen for a response. Or say test several times and listen for a response. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you heard somebody just come on and say test, 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 test. Would you think that they that. own the frequency? I've heard it too, but that doesn't... Uh, no, I don't think that means that they're claiming the frequency to use it for no. right now. B, listen for two minutes before calling CQ. Mm, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Let's, let's look at eight, or excuse me, A, send QRL on CW, followed by your call sign, or if using phone... Ask if the frequency is in use, followed by your call sign. Well, 
you know, um, not being a CW operator and not really knowing all the Q codes like I should, I'm not sure what QRL means. But I'm going to guess it probably means it's a frequency in use. Because the only two answers I see that could be possible there would be A and B. And I don't think it's B because I know you're supposed to ask if there's any mm -hmm. doubt, is the frequency in use? So I'm going to say it's A. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's, <clears throat> that kind of mix there in the chat room, too. That is a tricky one. So mm -hmm. let's see. It is A. Send QRL on CW followed by your call sign. Or if using phone, ask if the frequency is in use followed by your call sign. So, uh, yeah, I got some. That's a practical way to avoid harmful interference. Mm -hmm. if, you, if the frequency is clear, but you're just not sure, good way to find out. It's always a good idea to do a little bit of B and do a little listening before you start talking on there anyway. You might do a little B before you do some A. Mm -hmm. It's the way I do it. Me too. Yeah. What does the expression CQDX usually indicate? Is it A, a general call for any station? B, the caller is listening for a station in Germany. C, the caller is looking for any station outside their own country. Or D, a distress call. Well, CQ, CQDX, DX, that's going to be, I mean, that's kind of straightforward. The only really answer on there is going to be uh, the caller is looking for any station outside of their own country, which is kind of the definition of what DX is. As CQ, they're calling for any caller. DX is going to be Somebody foreign out of station. The country. Yeah. Foreign to you, yeah. yeah. So CQ, DX. It's got to be C, Charlie. Okay. Well, I, I think you're going to be right on there. Because um, everybody's saying it's C. And I, that's what I think it is, too. And there you go. <clears throat> One more correct, Tommy. Which of the following is a recommended way to break into a contact when using phone? A, say QRZ several times followed by your call sign. B, say your call sign during a break between transmissions by the other station. Or C, say break, break, break and wait for a response. Or D, say CQ followed by the call sign of either station. A, say QRZ several times. No. Uh, QRZ means what is your call sign. So no, that's not a recommended way to break into a, a conversation. B, say your call sign during a break between transmissions by the other stations. Ah, uh, that sounds plausible. C, say break, break, break and wait for a response. Well, if you do that, the response you get on amateur radio may not be the one you want. Might wanted. not be the one you're looking for. No, they do that on <laughs> CB radio, but they don't say break, break, break on a ham radio. Although you will hear that on there sometimes. Occasionally. And people really give them a hard time when they say that. So you don't, you don't want to do that. Or D, say CQ followed by the call sign of either station. No, because CQ is uh, is a call for 
That's calling uh, whoever, for any, any anybody out there. Anybody so. that can hear you that wants to answer. Yep. So I'm going to say it's B. And that's that's what everyone else is saying. Does that sound good to you, you know, Tommy? I, I concur, Doctor. Professor. Professor. Okay, Dean. <laughs> well, we got through all of those. That was it? That was it on those type of questions. Well, those were actually pretty easy. They were. They, they were relatively painless. Relatively. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to, guess, guess what? We're going to set up some test equipment right here on this very bench. Awesome. That's my favorite you. part. Yep. And while we do that, let's have a message from our friends at hamstudy.org, which is another place you should be studying for your amateur oh, yeah, exam. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we'll give you another little intermission here as well. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbean, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize themselves with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. price ever at Radio Shack on the most powerful transportable cellular phone system. Just $7.99 when you sign up with Radio Shack's authorized cellular phone carrier. Go where you want to go. There's nothing else to buy and it's ready to go wherever you go. Call when you want to call. Use in your car or go portable and take it along. Radio Shack's complete transportable cellular phone system. Just $7.99 only at Radio Shack, the technology store. Drinking that 100% pure Florida orange juice? You know, foods like Florida orange juice as part of a balanced diet may help in the fight against heart disease. Plus, it's certified by the American Heart Association, and it contains the antioxidant vitamin C. Honestly, where do you get all your information? On the radio. The radio? Yeah, the ham radio. Get it? Ham? Sandwich? Oh, that is a new low. 100% pure Florida orange juice. Squeeze more health into life. Let's look at this oscilloscope and oscillator here. What we've got here is an audio oscillator that goes from 2 hertz 
all the way up to 2 megahertz. It's an old general radio oscillator that um, I got a good many years ago, but still works. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've got other oscillators I use too, but for this demo, I wanted something that, you know, would get up into RF just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, 2 megahertz qualifies for that. I've got my oscilloscope, of course. And what we're doing right now is we're just measuring the output of this audio oscillator right here. I've got the frequency counter turned on on my oscilloscope here, and it's showing 1.94 uh, kilohertz. So we're approximately 2 kilohertz right there is, is the signal that we're seeing that AC waveform. All right, if I, if I go over here, I can uh, change this range switch, and I can increase that frequency on up. Let's, let's go way on up there. Right there, 1.94 megahertz, okay. almost 2 megahertz. And you see that the signal is almost the same amplitude. It didn't change hardly any. Mm -hmm. You know, the output of that oscillator is pretty flat. You know, it's going to put out about the same level of signal down at 2 kilohertz as it would at 2 megahertz. So that's the first thing we wanted to do is make sure that our oscillator is... It's, it's putting out what we think it's putting out. What's the, just curious, what's the voltage? Uh, let's see, we're on the 5-volt scale right here, or 5 volts per division. So let's see, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 low, volt low, low, AC 30 signal. Volt. Let's go back down here to uh, 2 kilohertz again. All right, I'll have to change the horizontal here on the scope so that we can see an actual waveform. There we go right there, just looking strictly at the oscillator. Now I've got a 0.001 microfarad capacitor here. We're going to short across the output of that oscillator and uh, just check it. If the reactance on this is low, that's going to be like a low resistance resistor. Mm-hmm. If the reactance was high, it would be like a you know a higher resistance resistor to AC frequencies. You know the capacitor is really not going to affect DC. It won't even pass DC. Mm -hmm. So it it's, uh, affects AC frequencies though. Um, so let's just just look at it right here with the two megahertz signal coming in. We'll just hook that capacitor across it. You know, I don't. I don't really see any change it in the look level like it there. Did anything at all? Level did not change at all. So the capacitor is not really doing anything down at uh, two two kilohertz here. All right, let's let's increase our frequency on up here. Let's yeah, let's go up really a notch. That's not what I expected to see. Yeah, here's about twenty kilohertz right here. You can see. A little bit of change. A little bit of change. Barely dropping the level with this capacitor shorted across our, our oscillator there. Bumping on up to 200 kilohertz here. Wow. Quite a bit of change there, huh? Oh, yeah. Dropped it down about, uh, what, like 10 volts now instead of 30? Yep. It's going up to 2 megahertz. Wow pretty much gone there. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of signal. So what, what we've proved here 
is uh, this 0.001 microfarad capacitor, like any capacitor, as the frequency increases, the reactance is going to decrease. So we've essentially, you know, taken a very low um, ohmage resistor and put it across our oscillator, shorting it out. Think of reactance as like an AC resistor. In other words, uh, you know, a resistor, uh, a really, a, a say a one ohm resistor, if you put a voltage on one side and measured it on the other side, there's going to be very little difference because that's almost like just a straight piece of wire. Mm -hmm. If you took a one megohm resistor, measured it at the input of it, and then measured it on the other side, you'd see a big voltage drop there mm -hmm. because there was a lot of resistance. All right, think of reactants as, uh, well, resistors, of course, will work with DC or AC, either one. It affects them, you mm -hmm. know, virtually both the same. But with reactants, like from a capacitor or an inductor, they only affect AC frequencies. They don't affect DC. So a low reactance would be the same as a low resistance to an AC signal. Okay. A high reactance would be the same as a, a high ohmage resistor. Okay. All right. So, so what we've just shown right here is that as we increase the frequency of the oscillator, we've got this shorted across the oscillator, basically. It's not in series. It's in parallel with the oscillator. So at a higher frequency, the reactance is dropped to a low ohmage. So it's, you know... Very, very low AC resistance across that oscillator is how you could think of it. Okay. All right. As the frequency comes down, then essentially what, what's happened is the reactance has gone way up. So it's inversely proportional. Okay. So as, as frequency goes down, reactance goes up, which means if it's shorted across the the oscillator here, then it's going to have less effect. Like, you know, we don't really see it doing virtually nothing there. So is that always the case? Obviously, the value of the capacitor yes. is critical to, uh, to the frequency that you're on for, as exactly. far as the reactance goes. Mm -hmm. So when it gets to a certain point, does it go back down? No. It's, it's always the case. Like, this is a... This is pretty much a, a really small capacitance here. You know, if I had a big electrolytic, say maybe a thousand microfarad capacitor, it's not that big, but you know, if I had a thousand microfarad capacitor, we would find that uh, that frequency, as we turn up the frequency and we saw the reactance was increasing because our voltage was decreasing, was in mm -hmm. parallel, we'd see that frequency was a much lower value. Okay. All right, this being a, a smaller capacitance, you know, a tiny, uh, minute amount of, of say, what a thousand microfarads would be, then we can see that frequency is much higher where the reactance, you know, really starts okay. um, to go in, in the opposite direction. Or it's, it's linear. In other words, bigger capacitors start their effect at lower frequencies. Well, I say bigger. Yeah, bigger. 1,000 microfarad is bigger. 0.001 microfarad is smaller. 
So it's when the frequency is higher, it's gonna start having more effect. Okay. So if you That's think about a DC power supply, mostly what you're gonna see in there is the big, you know, electrolytic filter caps. When you start looking at RF circuits, you're gonna see smaller stuff like uh, .001s or you know, 10 mm -hmm. picofarads or something like that. And that makes sense because the reason I said I said filtration is because I've been reading up about doing some well, they uh, make, audio filters. They make good filters. And you can make a a, mm -hmm. a bandpass filter. Basically, it's a resistor and a capacitor, and then a capacitor resistor on the other side to make mm -hmm. the bandpass portion of it. So I was just kind of curious yeah. about it. I just kind of started looking into it a little bit. All right, here's an inductor, <clears throat> and this is a 0.9 millihenry inductor or you could call it a choke or you could call it a coil it's all the same thing it's basically this is a just a coil of wire around a ferrous core here it is insulated wire mm -hmm. as you pointed out when we were talking earlier uh, so it's insulated uh, with shellac or varnish or whatever mm -hmm. um, let's see how this inductor behaves you think it's going to behave like the capacitor uh, no, because you told me earlier it wasn't. Well, that's good. That's why I'm thinking it's good. not. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're on to something there. One thing I'll, I'll say. You just know I was listening. Yeah. The, the inductor here, it will pass DC. You can, you can put uh, a DC signal on one side of it, look at the other side, and you're going to have almost the same amount of voltage. It's not really going to do anything without DC. The capacitor is going to block that DC. The inductor, it just shoots right on through it. Yeah, depending on how many uh, turns of wire there are, the length of that wire, and how big a gauge it is, you might have a little bit of resistance in it, might get a tiny voltage drop, but by and large, you know, the, the DC is just, you know, it doesn't even see that inductor as being there. Okay. All right, so right the opposite of the capacitor in that respect. All right, let's look at the inductor here. Okay, we've got, uh, I'm going to, we'll just start at the top here. Let's go on up to, to 2 megahertz. There's a 2 megahertz signal. Now, you know, that's, that's wired. Mm -hmm. You would think this is like a dead short, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would think. All right, let's, let's put it in parallel across our oscillator there. It had a little bit of change, uh -huh. but very little. We just put a dead short across that oscillator, and it don't care. You know, yeah. It's not really affecting it. Yeah, it's pretty. It, it's an inductor. Doesn't really make sense, because if I just took, you know, that's a dead short. If I just did that, we ain't got anything, you know, if I touched them together. Right. So uh, the inductance of it, you know, is having an effect here. So we're at a... At 2 megahertz, that's, that's all we can get out of this oscillator we're looking at. And what did we find out with that capacitor? As, as we went up in frequency, the reactants went down. Reactants went down, and so our signal did too, since you know it's cooked in parallel here. See what happens with our uh, oscillator here. Let's, let's go down. That is, uh, wow. Set it back here. That's two megahertz. 
Okay. No, that's two kilohertz. That's two kilohertz. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's let's hook our inductor across it. Huh. Wow, it's almost just a tiny bit there now. Uh -huh. Pretty much what we had the max on the other one. Yeah. So this thing's behaving right the opposite of the way the capacitor did. Sure is. So what this is telling us, here, you tell us what this is telling us. It's telling us that it's acting exactly opposite of the way the capacitor did. <laughs> and how is that? <laughs> the reactance is low. All right. As and as, as the frequency goes up, the reactance is going to increase yep. instead of decrease as it did with the capacitor. Yep. I wasn't sleeping. No, you were not I thought about it. I thought I heard some snoring sounds <laughs> there for a moment. But uh, so we just learned something pretty valuable right there about uh, reactants. We, we actually proved it out. You know, I've never sat down before last night and just took an oscillator and an oscilloscope and a capacitor and inductor and just played with them like that just yeah. to see. Stuff like that, learning about that is exactly why I bought mine, mm -hmm. to learn more about it. You just sometimes if you see that, it mm -hmm. just makes a lot more sense to you. It does. So now, armed with that information, I'm expecting you'll make a hundred on our next exam. Are you? Here. Are yeah. you really? <laughs> well, I wouldn't bet my money on there, so we'll see. Okay. So let's uh, decommission the test equipment here. You ready to move on to the next group of questions? I'm as about as ready as I'm going to get. All right. Well, here you go. What is reactance? A, opposition to the flow of direct current caused by resistance. B, opposition to the flow of alternating current caused by capacitance or inductance. Uh, C, a property of ideal resistors and AC circuits. Or D, a large spark produced at switch contacts when the inductor is de-energized. It's not D, but that is cool to see. Yeah, that would be, yeah, yeah. Okay, so with my newfound knowledge that we just, <laughs> that I just acquired. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll uh, be and getting. And the line of BS, I just, uh, just yeah. kind of spread it out there. And we'll be getting your, your uh, tuition invoice. <laughs> okay. To you directly here. Yeah, just, just uh, withdraw it from my checking account. Okay, I'm going to say that the answer is going to be B, opposition to the flow of alternating current caused by capacitance or inductance. And I'm pretty sure that's right because I just saw it with my own two eyes. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know what else we can say about that. That's, that is the answer. And as everybody in the chat room saw that with their own well, eyes, Well, they witnessed too. the whole event. Yeah. Every one of them said it was B. <clears throat> well... And that's, that's what we just learned. Uh, reactants, you know, what you're going to get with an inductor or a capacitor is it's going to oppose alternating current. So Cool stuff. Yep. All right, next one here. You can ask me this one. I think I will. What unit is used to measure reactants? A, farad. B, ohm. C, ampere. Or D, semen. Or Simon, however you want to pronounce it. Simons? Um, I don't know. Well, you know, 
I just kind of gave a little hint in that last segment when I said you can think of, you know, this reactant as an AC resistor. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to say it's ohms. It's B because a farad would be a capacitor. C, ampere, that would be current. Uh, D, uh, Simons or Siemens, um, that's that's not a measurement of reactants. It's ohms. It's B. And er everybody got that. Nailed it. Okay. <clears throat> of course, I would have expected you to. Well, you know, I, actually, I did... Did some study. I did some homework. Oh, you did? Before class, yeah. Which of the following causes opposition to the flow of alternating current in an inductor? Is it A, conductance? B, reluctance? C, admittance? Or D, reactance? Hmm, what do you think? Conductance? That, the first three are actually kind of funny. The answer is... Although gonna... they're real things. They, they are, but they don't have anything to do with this at all. No, no. So the answer is going to be D, reactance. Uh, yeah, everybody else. Conductance? Is. Reluctance? It's reluct is it reluctance? No. No? I don't think so. No, it's reactance. D. All right. You nailed that one. Okay, which of the following causes opposition to the flow of alternating current in a capacitor? A, conductance. B, reluctance. C, reactance. Or D, admittance. <laughs> admittance. Yeah. Well, you know, from the, your last question there, we knew the answer was D on it. But it's not so you're on saying this one. it's D? No, I'm saying it's C. Okay. I'm saying it's the same thing you did. Although, uh, yeah, over in the chat room, that one tried to to kind of mess them up too. But I think they were joking around there. Reactants. Yeah, that's that's the subject of tonight's episode. So, hey, I've got a question for you. Okay. How does an inductor react to AC? Is it A, as the frequency of the supplied AC increases, the reactance decreases? B, as the amplitude of the applied AC increases, the reactance increases. C, as the amplitude of the applied AC increases, the reactance decreases. D, as the frequency of the applied AC increases, the reactance decreases. Hmm. How does an inductor, inductor yep. react to an AC? So that's the coil. It's, and it was frequency that was, uh, that was uh, affecting it. Mm -hmm. As the frequency of the applied AC increases, the reactance decreases. Or... D, as frequency increases, the reactance increases. It's going to be D. As frequency of the AC increases, the reactance decreases. Yeah, you know, that's just one you got to stop and think about because there's so many big words in it. 
Well, yeah, they all, it almost, <laughs> if you just glance at it, it looks almost like four of the same thing. Yep. It's got to be D, though, I think. That's what we just saw. Yeah, you're right. It is D. Well, you if we hadn't have done the, if we hadn't have done the demo, I would have probably flunked that. I, would I have, could uh, see, bus. yeah, I could see how it'd be very, very easy. Plus, I would have, I would have probably guessed to be honest with you. Bad as I hate to say it, I, but I would have guessed. Is that the end of it? No, we got one question left for you. How does a capacitor react to AC? A, as the frequency of the applied AC increases, the reactance decreases. B, as the frequency of the applied AC signal increases, the reactance increases. C, as the amplitude of the applied AC increases, the reactance decreases. And D, as the amplitude of the applied AC signal increases, the reactance decreases. Well, we can knock out C and D because uh, we know that it was the frequency, the changes in frequency that were affecting the reactants. Uh, we had that capacitor tied in parallel across our generator there. And as the frequency increased, it started shorting out that signal, decreased. which meant the reactants decreased. So I'm going to say it's A. What do you think, Tom? I think it's A. You think it's A? Saw it with my own two eyes. Well, there were a lot of guesses in the chat room over there. So, whew, I'm glad I got that right. <laughs> yeah. If you would have got buzzed on that one, then uh, that would have been yeah. pretty bad. Like I say, those are some you need to read those answers carefully because it'd be easy to get twisted you, up. You lot. really do. And, 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 and I saw a comment or a couple of them in there saying that the demo mm -hmm. was a little bit long, but you really need to watch that demo real close and see because it's... Uh, well, they saw like a demo and a half. <laughs> yeah, they saw a demo and a half. But it's still, yeah. but still, you need to watch and understand both of them fully to be able to answer those questions right. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we're to the end of another episode here, Tommy. So soon. So soon. Uh, it seems like we were just getting started with it. I know. It like uh, 6.15, it like, seems like we started rolling tonight. Yeah. Only, a, what, a scant four hours ago yeah. or so? We've done two shows tonight. Yep. Be it sure to, be sure to tip your waitress. <laughs> On your way out. <laughs> yeah. So if you wanted to continue the conversation, where could you do that? Well, you can catch us at all the popular social media hangouts at, at uh, Facebook. We've got uh, facebook.com slash groups. Slash AmateurLogic.tv. We're also on Google Plus, and we're also on Twitter. Yeah. At at AmateurLogic, and we also have the at Ham College. What do you think we'll be talking about next? I just don't know. Impedance. Oh, I thought we talked about that some last time. I know we talked about. Uh, I think we've talked about resistors or. Inductors and oh, capacitors. Inductors. Okay. And we talked about reactants, and then we're going to talk about impedance. And from there, and there'll be some math knows? associated with that, I'm sure. It could be. I hadn't looked at the questions that close. Well, there's plenty of it around that. it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Don't know if they're on the test, though. But, yeah, that should be good. Yeah. I, I've really been enjoying these. Uh, I, I haven't done much with it. I've just kind of recently gotten sort of interested in it after all this time of being a ham. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of enjoyed going through this stuff. Yeah, I, I have, too. You know, it's fun to go back over and review because first time I went through this, you know, I was in college and... Um, I just wasn't paying as close attention, <laughs> you know, as I do these days. You know, there were other things on my mind, too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, when you can pull out the test equipment and play with it, you, you get a, you feel more at home with it. Uh -huh. you, know, you can see what's really going on. Uh, you know, if you want to see the show notes on Amateur Logic, we've got those available from my friend, Dan in 9LVS who puts that together. Yeah. Yeah, he does a great job on that. If you ever want to go look up what's in some of the old amateur logic shows, if you go there and search for it, you'll you'll find. Yeah. You'll find it. That's where we go. Yep. All right. Thanks for being here tonight, everyone. Uh seven three. As Tommy said, tip your waitress on the way out. On the way out. It's okay to unfasten your seat belts now. Yep, and if you want to stick your hands or head out the window, feel free to do so. If you can as long get as you're it down. not driving. <laughs> All right. 73, everybody. Good night. Here, let me do it. Well, I'm not. <laughs> there was your blooper, Arnie. My uh, Laurel VEC uh, or VE credentials here expired in 2016. <laughs> oh, I think I think I know this one. You do? I think I do. What do you? Well, I think but I know. It's not it my too. turn to answer it. Oh, no, it's not. But I would be interested in knowing what your answer is. And, and well, if I'd say mine it. first then I will be giving you, giving you the answer. <laughs> Makes sense. It's yours to answer. Uh, I know what I think it is. You're trying to pull some trickery. I don't, were you asking me that I wasn't paying attention? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. it's your turn. It's my turn. Okay. And don't call me Shirley <laughs> <laughs> or, or Siri. <laughs>